Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. That was Liz Kantner, my guest today. She's a designer consultant to rising independent jewelry designers for the JA show in New York and for the debut of the premiere show in Las Vegas, the end of this month that goes through June 3rd. Liz shares her journey from outside the industry to her current role with Emerald Expositions. Her drive to serve the designers featured in the shows she curates is inspiring. Besides sharing her experience as a new shop owner in Asheville, North Carolina, we discuss how designers can use the shift in retail trends to their advantage through trade shows and marketing. Before I go on, I want to invite you to shop my Spring Fling Jewelry and Accessory Gift Guide, featuring gifts perfect for special events and occasions in spring like Father's Day, graduations, anniversaries, weddings, birthdays, and birth gifts for the arrival of a new baby or an adoption. I feature some of my favorite designers, many of whom have been guests on the podcast like Crash Jewelry, Mary Vanderay, Emily Kuban Jewelry, Hanya Kuzbari, Sarah Machikos, Nayla Shami, and Minton. You can find the guide under the special features tab in the main menu on my website, and that's at jewelrynavigator.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. I know you have a choice in what you listen to, and if you like jewelry, you're in for a treat. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Oh my gosh, it's so nice to hear your voice for real. I, I was just thinking about that about you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, it's funny because I've been thinking so much about you and reaching out. I think because we support a lot of the same jewelers and you actually discovered a lot of the designers that I've had on the podcast, I felt like it was time to have you on as well. Yeah, definitely. I've um, listened to many of your interviews. Um, I work with Emily Kuvin, and uh-huh. you're such a great support for her, um, oh. which I just love. I mean, it's so hard as an emerging designer to kind of get traction and get noticed. So it's mm-hmm. amazing that you're kind of giving them a platform. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've, um, I've always felt that way. And just to give you a little background about myself, I'm a graduate gemologist, and I've worked mostly in the retail sector for small independent stores, no big chains or anything like that. So that's been really nice. 
But what yeah, I that's was such good experience um, working um, at a, a small store and actually interacting with end consumers. I think that makes you more knowledgeable at promoting and working with designers. Yes. I've kind of put together some criteria kind of based on my experience working in a jewelry store and seeing what comes in for repairs. So I've kind of put together criteria of the kind of jewelry I want to feature, but I mostly want to focus on supporting independent jewelers and designers. And it's kind of like come out in the wash that it's mostly women. Yeah. And I think it's because... Being women, we know what we like, and we're kind of attracted to something that's already designed by a woman for women. So um, I think that's kind of how the direction that I've, I've noticed that I'm going in. Yeah, I think, you know, having worked for Todd Reed um, and, you know, knowing male designers, and honestly, when I first started in the industry, even though it was only, um, I think, seven years ago, um, there was more men. And I know, you know, looking at the trade shows and all of that, like it was mostly men designers in the beginning. So it's kind of crazy and exciting that there's so many women now, but mm-hmm. having worked for a man, there's just some things that they, they think about, but don't really think about with design. Like Todd was always conscious about his earring weight, but at the end of the day, he like went for the design aesthetic versus the comfort. Um, uh-huh. And that's who he is as a designer. Um, uh-huh. And that's fine. But I feel like women designers understand what, women are actually looking for. And we're kind of in an age of self-purchasing women right now. And mm-hmm. um, so women designing for women just makes so much sense. And I'm glad it's a trend. Me too. Let's kind of back up and I'll start from an official starting point. Um, tell me how you got involved in the jewelry industry. Sure. So I um, went to college for marketing and communications. Um, I actually, when I first um, went to college. This is not usually part of my bio, but for some reason I was thinking about it, but I actually wanted to be an entrepreneur. So it's kind of cool that I'm at this point in my life where I own my own business. Um, because that's really what I went to want it to do when I first started, um, college, but I majored in marketing and communications. Um, and right after college, I was working in healthcare communications. I was bored out of my mind. Um, and I actually met somebody on a train, um, who went to my school, who worked at, uh, who had graduated from my school, I should say. And um, we both took the same train every day. Um, and he worked in digital marketing um, for this great digital marketing agency that worked with big consumer brands. And um, we really connected and he gave me a job interview and I ended up working for him. And he became a great mentor to me um, and kind of helped me really get into digital marketing. At that time, I was blogging. I was very into Twitter. Instagram, I think, had just come around um, or maybe was just about to be launched. Um, So we were kind of in this different age of the internet. Um, But what I loved about social media um, and digital marketing is just how big, faceless brands could connect with end consumers. Let's kind of back up and I'll start from an official starting point. Um, Tell me how you got involved in the jewelry industry. Sure. So I um, went to college for marketing and communications. Um, I actually, when I first um, went to college, this is not usually part of my bio, but for some reason I was thinking about it, but 
I actually wanted to be an entrepreneur. So it's kind of cool that I'm at this point in my life where I own my own business um, because that's really what I went to want it to do when I first started um, college. But I majored in marketing and communications. Um, and right after college, I was working in healthcare communications. I was bored out of my mind um, and actually met somebody on a train um, who went to my school, who worked at, uh, who had graduated from my school, I should say. And um, we both took the same train every day. Um, and he worked in digital marketing um, for this great digital marketing agency that worked with big consumer brands. And um, we really connected and he gave me a job interview and I ended up working for him and he became a great mentor to me um, and kind of helped me really get into digital marketing. At that time, I was blogging. I was very into Twitter. Instagram, I think, had just come around um, or maybe was just about to be launched. Um, so we were kind of in this different age of the internet. Um, but what I loved about social media um, and digital marketing is just how big faceless brands could connect with end consumers. Um, and I loved that type of deeper connection. From there, I was working for this digital marketing agency um, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's where I was born and raised and went to school and all of that. Um, my uh, boyfriend at the time, who is still my boyfriend and life partner, Chris Evans, um, he wanted to move to Denver to apprentice to be a tattoo artist. And the reason why Denver was significant because um, he had a great friend there who's this very talented tattoo artist, and he offered to apprentice him for free, which is not something that's usually done in the tattooing world. It's usually pretty expensive to apprentice. Um, and so it was a great opportunity. He wanted to move. I didn't want to move. I loved my job. I loved Philadelphia. I still love mm -hmm. Philadelphia. But I decided to do it um, after kind of six months after him, I was like, I just should do this. Um, and I moved to Denver and I was looking for social media jobs, you know, um, within the digital marketing field and all of that. And I found Todd Reed, um, actually on Craigslist oh, and, wow. um, <laughs> yeah. And I started working for him and I quickly moved up to marketing manager and it was, it feels like, you know, looking back, it felt like almost a master's program in, in um, luxury marketing and the jewelry industry, because I was really doing every aspect of marketing within that. And I was really connecting his marketing to his sales strategy, which hadn't been something that he was really doing before. But sales and marketing, in my opinion, really do go hand in hand. Um, I also um, started his Instagram from scratch. Um, he, Todd, I mean, he's still a great friend of mine, but he really taught me about um, the process, um, both the design process and the making process. My favorite thing about working there was the shop. There were, um, I don't remember how many jewelers, but <clears throat> probably over a dozen jewelers, and they were the coolest people to talk to. And I, Todd would like go in the shop every single day and see what they're working on and ask them questions and take pictures and all of that. And I learned so much about jewelry making. I mean, it's just wild how little you know until you're kind of immersed in a field but to see a piece of metal turn into like a beautiful piece of art and just kind of see the steps within the process and the focus and the concentration um, and everything that goes into making a piece of jewelry that really um, grew my passion helped me grow my passion and then another thing that Todd really inspired me with was he is so supportive of, of not only other humans, but other jewelry designers. Um, and he would, you know, if anybody asked for a conversation with him, he would be, if he had time, he would definitely take their call. He wants people to succeed. He is so confident in his vision 
um, and what he's doing with his brand that, you know, everybody else he's glad to support. Um, and that kind of fueled my passion for helping designers and helping people grow their businesses. And so when I was ready to leave Cadre, just because I felt like I wanted to grow more and I wanted to do more and I wanted more flexibility, um, I, you know, Cindy Edelson, who I'd mentioned before, she had just passed away. She was a force within this industry. Um, she helped emerging designers so much. Um, and she was, you know, she was just very involved um, and a great person. But she passed away and Jay New York, um, she was working with them to curate the new designer gallery. Um, and, you know, when she passed away, there was, you know, kind of this hole to fill, like they needed help. Um, so I kind of took the role of uh, curating the new designer gallery to kind of help fill in, you know, uh, the missing piece um, that she left. So from there, I kind of like, it grew my passion even further to help emerging designers. Um, and I was consulting um, a few designers on the side too and working with Jay in New York. Um, so I, and that, I've been doing that for, this is, it's almost three and a half years since I started working with Jay in New York. Um, and now um, I'm curating or helping to curate this premiere show. So it's kind of crazy to see how far things have come. I've learned so much about this other side of the industry now, um, the trade show side. Um, and I, I just feel like I have a pretty well-rounded um, education and hands-on experience within the industry. You really do. You learned what it takes most people 20 years to learn. <laughs> yeah. my Well, um, my brain is always going. I'm like, a uh, very anxious person um, and very kind of type A about stuff. So um, I just, I like to learn things. I like to know things um, and I like really being involved with things. Um, so mm-hmm. I think I kind of just forced myself to learn and just threw and, myself in there. Right, right. And what a gift to step behind Cindy Edelstein's path. I mean, what perfect timing, but I've, I feel I don't know you that well, but from what I've seen, what you've done so far, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. I mean, it's so hard because I, like, am not Cindy. Um, and uh, to, to be honest, it was really hard when I first started because people love Cindy. Um, and I knew her minimally, but I did enjoy her as well. Like, I, she helped me a little bit, too. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I had that experience with her. But my goodness, um, it, it's big shoes to fill. And I certainly did it a different way. Um, and I try to honor her memory as much as possible since I did, you know, step into part of her role. Um, but, yeah, she, she was um, a force, and I'm doing the best I can. Well, I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So I have so many questions. Just as a game plan, I want to talk about Vegas. Yeah, so I consult Emerald Exhibitions um, on designers to bring into shows. So essentially I sell booths, but I really am working closely with Emerald to find and discover designers that could be a good fit for our shows. Uh Um, And this most recent Vegas show that I've worked on um, called Premiere, I actually put together a designer section with my dear friend and colleague Morgan Miller, who is an account executive on the Couture show. Um, Uh And her and I actually met many years ago. Todd Reed introduced us at um, her first couture 
And um, he was like, you got to meet this gal. Um, I think you guys will hit it off. And we've been friends ever since. Um, so when there was an opportunity, she was working for Satomi Kawakita at the time, who is an independent designer in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, she was looking to kind of make a change. And Couture was looking for an account executive. Um, and she was a great fit. Um, so it's kind of amazing that we're now curating a section together. It's really kind of come full circle for our friendship, which is amazing. That's great. A lot of what I talk to um, my clients about is that sales is, and growing a business, it's not going to happen overnight. It does take practice um, and consistency and awareness. Um, Doing a trade show is so important because it's getting your jewelry in front of you know, the actual people who are going to be buying it. And consumers want context. They want consistency. They want to understand why somebody is posting what they're doing. Um, digital marketing, I've been in the field for 10 years, over 10 years at this point, and it's really changed from what it used to be. You can't just post a pretty picture. You need to add context and storytelling. Um, and I think that um, the value of some of the influencers in our industry is the stores that are closely following them, but um, to pay an influencer for one post or um, get one post somewhere. And it's the same as getting like one feature in Vogue. That's not going to do anything for your brand. You need to consistently be showing up in that publication or on that influencer's page to actually get some awareness for your brand. Another important part of doing trade shows consistently is that you show longevity within your business. Um, nobody wants to invest in a business that they're that just came on the scene and they're not sure it's going to be around because mm-hmm. there is a fear with retailers that the orders won't be fulfilled or that, you know, a client will buy something and then the jeweler will disappear uh, if there's a repair um, or if they need anything from that designer. Like, there's so many kind of people popping up in this industry that retailers are very cautious about um, new designers. So that's why showcasing at a trade show several times in a row um, for several years is really important to show that longevity. Um, But also when it comes to um, stores, I think the biggest issue and why so many stores are kind of closing down or figuring things out. And I think that the Vegas market week this year is going to be interesting because I think that retailers are finally getting to a point where they're looking for something new. Mm -hmm. Um, And some more innovative retailers or more forward-thinking retailers have been doing this for years, bringing in new brands, emerging brands, trying out different, you know, trunk show concepts, um, special events, and all of this. Um, And that's really important because stores, you know, unless they're connecting with younger generations, they're not going to survive because from what I'm seeing, um, you know, younger people aren't buying jewelry the same way that older generations are. Um, we don't really have jewelry collectors the way, you know, in our younger generations that we have in older generations. And people want more meaning in the things that they're purchasing. And this has been something that I feel like we've been talking about for many years. It's just that people don't just buy things anymore. They want the experience. They want the connection. They want the context. They want more, you know? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to gauge those observations and whether or not they're true. Right. And it, you don't really see it until you're out there chatting with consumers. Like, I, um, before I opened my own store, I'd work, um, you know, when they needed me at a store, a local store called Mora Collection, which is my favorite store in Asheville. They carry contemporary jewelry as well as like Rebecca Overman and Todd Pownell and some great fine jewelry designers too. 
So I kind of got to see what people in Asheville, North Carolina responded to. And it really was older people buying this jewelry. Um, younger people, it was very few and far between that they understood the price point. At the same time, when somebody connected with a piece, young person, older person, whatever age, they bought it. You know, like if somebody connects with something, a piece of jewelry, a design, a gemstone, they're going to purchase that item. You know, it's just about like a right place, right time situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell designers all the time to price their their pieces accurately because if somebody connects with a piece, they're going to buy it. Um, mm-hmm. But the point I was getting to is that now that I have a tattoo shop where I carry jewelry, I mean, people are much more likely to spend hundreds of dollars on a tattoo versus a piece of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm talking to people who are into tattoos, um, but I'm noticing also everything in my case is under $600 um, because that's what I feel like I can sell at this point, And that's what, you know, the people who come to to me, the people who follow me are, are mostly younger people and that's what they can afford. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So now we just need to understand, do we wait till those people come into, uh, you know, a higher spending category or do we meet them where they are? That kind that's of- a great question. I mean, I think engaging them now is important. And I think I do believe that I'll be able to grow my price point. I think that relationships are everything with sales. Um, and there is a trust factor. So, you know, somebody spending $150 with me, um, I value that and I keep them in my circle. Uh, because I know that if they're looking for something more expensive and they had great service with me, that they will come back to me. Um, and I think that the best stores out there are the ones who clientele. And that's like kind of an old school term within the industry. But clienteling is everything. You know, knowing your client's birthday, having a relationship with them, you know, engaging with them on Instagram. It's really important to, to do these things, to stay, you know, not only top of mind, but be authentic in your business. And I tell um, emerging designers who are kind of trying to find a foothold is like, don't think national, think local. Think Mm -hmm. about how you can start locally because that word of mouth could be huge. Um, And there's so much opportunity to kind of get some business flowing within your own community. Right, right. I have to say too, I love seeing the integration of, is it divination, tattoo? Yeah, I love seeing the integration in your feed. Um, Thank you. It's a work in progress, to be honest. Like, I mean, designers say to me all the time that it's so hard to market themselves. And it truly, it is a lot harder to market yourself because you're so in it um, and you're so attached to it. Um, It's so important to kind of step back um, and take a look from like how consumers are viewing it. Um, And also, um, it's important to really like have an outside opinion. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to the premiere show. Sure. Tell me a little bit more about that, how many designers are going and which ones and how many you've nurtured, say, from the JA show. Sure. Um, So premiere is a show that we're really excited about because it's something that not only our designers have been asking for, but retailers have been asking for. The Couture show um, is under the same umbrella as premiere. Um, They're both owned by Emerald Exhibitions. Mm -hmm. Um, And Couture, you know, if you've been, you know, but if you haven't, um, just to describe it really quickly, it's a trade event. It is a beautiful experience. It is, you know, the best jewelry in the world um, is, you know, on display at this show. And there's 
like amazing cocktail parties, there's lunches, there's concerts, like it is an event. Um, so we want it to do a show that, you know, complements it, but certainly doesn't step on its toes. And, you know, it's very different. Um, premiere is a trade show. It's very similar to a J in New York or a New York now. Um, but a lot of retailers have been asking for, you know, more discovery of independent and emerging designers. They've been looking for more bridge collections, more sterling silver collections. Um, and that's just not something that you necessarily find at Couture. Um, so we wanted a show to kind of complement Couture um, and give, you know, a different experience and also help designers, emerging designers, independent designers who aren't quite ready for that couture level, or maybe it's just not in their plan ever. We want it to give them an opportunity to exhibit in Vegas. Um, so the section I've curated with Morgan Miller has 60, de- 60 designers, um, and we are helping designers um, in a couple of different ways. One, we're offering turnkey style booths. That means that it comes with everything. A huge part about a trade show that is overwhelming to designers is planning a booth. And I was thrown into the deep end when I had to plan Todd Reed's Couture booth. It was the most stressful experience of my entire life. Um, And the following year, even after I had the practice, was still just as stressful. Um, You know, you have to, with Couture, people kind of create these elaborate booths. Um, And it's it's very cool when you're there, but building it is very stressful. Anyway, um, so, but Todd has a team of people to do that. And many of the couture designers have a team of people. So um, these independent and emerging designers don't. So planning a booth can be so stressful and it takes away from them marketing, reaching out to retailers, you know, designing their collection, manufacturing their collection. Um, And I wanted to take that off their plate as something to worry about. Um, So we have, turnkey booth for everybody in this section. Um, So that's a special part of it. Um, And then also we really are very much into the community aspect. And I've always been into this with my new designer galleries. I've always kind of, you know, connected everybody and some designers still are great friends or have done trunk shows together. And I thought the most beautiful part about it for me is creating a community. Um, And before I really like bring somebody into any of the trade shows I do, I really talk to them and make sure they're ready for that step. And I make sure that they have good energy and they're like going to fit in with the, you know, the rest of the designers really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And Morgan and I took so much care in, in, um, not only curating the show, but merchandising it and where we're placing everybody um, and the flow of it and everything. We put so much care into it, um, but we're very into this community aspect. So uh, like in Tucson, Morgan hosted um, uh, like a, a cocktail hour for the designers who were shopping for gems in Tucson. Um, when New York Now was happening, I hosted a little get together for designers who were exhibiting at New York Now and who lived in New York. Um, so we really want these designers to connect um, and I believe that having good energy at a trade show is a game changer. And I know that's kind of a little bit, um, you know, hippie. Um, I do live in Asheville and I did live in Boulder, but um, uh, I do believe that energy really does change the show. And my advice to kind of any designer going into a trade show is that I don't care if you're having the worst day in the world, you need to put a smile on and talk to everybody Um, because good things will come from just that simple step um, Mm -hmm. and that simple practice. But um, we're doing a couple of things to kind of really make this show a hit um, and just a little context on it um, and the Vegas landscape for, for people who are wondering is that JCK used to be at the Mandalay Bay, which was all the way across town. And they're moving back to where they used to be um, at the sands, um, which is 
uh, a couple doors down from the Wynn, which is where Couture takes place. And then right around the corner is the Las Vegas Convention Center, which is where Premiere is taking place. And it's going to be co-located, so in the same venue, as AGTA and um, the Las Vegas Antique Show. Um, so it's going to be a really exciting event in general, just because there's it's um, so many cool things happening at this one venue. Um, but Morgan and I have come up with a couple initiatives to kind of really make um, the premiere by designer section that we've curated feel very special um, and have a strong community. Um, one of those things is a mentoring program um, that's not, you know, open to the public, but um, these designers will benefit from having one-on-one meetings with um, prominent retailers and editors within the industry. Um, so that's one thing we're doing for them, you know, to make sure that they kind of help move their business forward by doing the show. We're going to be having three idea labs. Um, the first one's going to be um, Monica Stevenson of iDazzle and On the Gems. Um, and she is going to be um, leading a panel with uh, Jennifer Maxwell of Lee Maxwell um, and a gem cutter, a female gem cutter, which I'm really excited about, Jen Steyer. Um, so they'll be doing a chat. Um, and then Ben, who's been Ben from Third Coast Gems, who's a dear friend and an amazing support for emerging designers as well. Um, we'll be chatting about social media, um, which is great. And then, um, we're going to have, um, Grace, uh, from Jules by Grace, um, chat about estate jewelry, which is exciting too, because we kind of wanted to tie the antique show in with, um, you know, the premiere show because so many stores these days, um, especially like concept stores carry, you know, antique engagement rings. Um, and then even more established stores carry, you know, vintage save at web and stuff like that. So um, having the antique show there, we feel is a real benefit to our premier designers. Um, so yeah, those are some of the things we're doing to really create the community. Um, quite a few designers have come over to this show from JA New York. And, um, you know, I think it's a smart move because the New York market is very different than the Vegas market. Um, the Vegas market week is, I believe, the most important market week within the U.S., um, and I think that that's kind of a natural next step. So, you know, once you've launched your brand in New York and maybe done a few shows in, in New York, you know, going to Vegas is a big deal. Um, a great example is Teresa Kaz. She um, did the New Designer Gallery last March, um, so a little over a year ago. And um, she's done every day in New York since. Um, and she's really grown her business beautifully, like like small strategic growth. Um, and now she's debuting in Vegas and I'm so excited for her and I know she'll have a great show, but, um, other designers who have come from the new designer gallery include a campus. Um, who else? Um, K eight jewelry has done, um, New York now, or I'm sorry, not New York now, Jay New York quite a few times. Um, Gigi Ferranti has been a huge, support of Jay New York and she's done great at that show and she's coming to premiere. Um, so definitely a handful of designers kind of coming from the Jay New York realm and um, debuting in Vegas. So it's very exciting. That is exciting. So will there still be a Jay show in New York in the summer? Yeah. So um, we're kind of switching things up a little bit. Um, we've decided to partner with New York Now, um, which is another show under the Emerald Exhibitions umbrella. It's run by a different team, um, but it's, you know, in our world. And um, we are going to be moving J New York Summer into that show. Um, and that feels good to me because, um, you know, retailers are have smaller budgets. They're traveling less. They're going to less shows. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard for them to come out mid-July, which is when J New York Summer used to be, and um, August. So I think it does make sense 
you know, to kind of partner with them. Um, Jay still is going to have its own brand um, and its own section within New York now. Um, so I think it's going to be a great partnership for both shows. Um, and then um, the New Designer Gallery um, is only taking place once a year now in um, March. So if any designers are ever interested in chatting about that, it's a really great first trade show and I handhold the entire time um, and you get my full support. And, you know, even though there's more designers at the premiere show, I'm still available for them. I'm still having calls with every single one of them leading up to the show. Um, and I kind of gauge the support they need based on like what they're asking. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, because there's so many designers, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, but I'm checking in with everybody, um, you know, and I think it's really important that um, my role in selling a trade show booth is not just selling the trade show booth. It's making sure that they have a good experience. And um, my role is to make sure that they have the tools to have a good show. Um, and I believe that so strongly. Wow, Liz, you have a huge, huge responsibility, and you make it sound so easy. <laughs> I mean, it does get easier with practice. I mean, now I could plan a trade show booth with my eyes closed, um, but uh, it's not easy. I mean, I, I certainly make it seem easy. I mentioned before I'm a very anxious person, and that's one of the reasons why I'm, like, always on top of things, um, but it is challenging. Um, and I do get, I try not to, but I get very emotionally invested in these, these designers. And I just so strongly want them to succeed. Um, just because I've gotten to know their businesses, you know, not intimately, but I know their businesses pretty well based on, you know, our conversations and prepping for shows. And I just, uh, you know, I'm invested. I want them to succeed. If you're doing a trade show with me, you're in my world forever. Like somebody could call me up from my first new designer gallery and I would a hundred percent answer and give them my time because they, they, you know, they invested in me and I'm investing in them and we're supporting each other. And that partnership doesn't just go away. Right. Right. That's wonderful. So how would, if someone wanted to work with you with one of the shows, how do they go about doing that? Do they contact you directly or do they go through Emerald? No, they go to me directly. Um, if it's not, you know, something in my wheelhouse, I'll point them to the right person. Um, but yeah, you feel free to, you know, I know a lot of people don't like DMs on Instagram. DM me on Instagram. I'm always making sure I'm, you know, up to date on those and I try to respond to everybody. Um, unless you're trying to sell me gemstones. I don't buy gemstones. I'm so sorry. I just don't. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, anybody else who's asking for advice or chatting about trade shows, I'm glad to hop on the phone with you and talk to you about trade shows. And, you know, I work on specific trade shows, but I'm always glad to give my opinion on shows I don't work on. I'm always going to be honest with people about what shows I think they should be doing. Um, you know, my ties to Emerald are really important to me, but they don't, um, your business is important too. So I'm always going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I'll definitely uh, make sure I include a link to your to your Instagram page, and who else can? Yeah, I'll um, give you my you. I'll give you my email address also, so you're welcome to share that. People can email me also, um, but people can find me on Instagram at Liz underscore Cantner. My tattoo shop and jewelry store is at Divination Tattoo. Um, definitely follow Premier Shows at Premier Shows. Um, just to kind of see all the great designers involved with that. Um, I'll send you all of these links so you can have them. But, yeah, I'm totally, like, available. Please reach out. I'm so open. Cool. I'll definitely let people know. 
best luck, and I can't wait to watch your feed and keep watching um, news about the show and from the show, so you'll definitely have to keep me in the loop. Yeah, I'll keep you in the loop. Thanks so much um, for for featuring me. Um, As soon as the podcast comes out, I'll um, send it to the premiere team to share, too. Oh, fantastic. I'd love that. Yeah, no problem. Reach out anytime. I will. Have a great day. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my visit with Liz. I really did. I loved learning about what goes on behind the scenes, and I'm really excited to watch her feed for the premiere show. Unfortunately, I won't be going this year. I will definitely go next year, but I will be keeping my eyes peeled on everybody's feeds and watching the designers that I've met and see what they're posting, especially those who are exhibiting at the show. Good luck to you all. I hope you have a fabulous show. And before I forget, let me give you Liz's email address. So if you're interested in um, connecting with her and working with her, her email address is Elizabeth, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H dot Cantoner, C-A-N-T-N-E-R at gmail.com. Thanks so much, Liz. I really enjoyed having you on the show and look forward to talking to you and meeting you at some point. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.